Season three, ladies and gentlemen, of Chewing the Gristle is upon us. We've got a bunch of great guests lined up. We're going to let the good times roll. Are you ready to pound the gristle? We ride. Brought to you by our good friends at Wildwood Guitars in beautiful Louisville, Colorado, and Fishman Transducers of beautiful Andover, Massachusetts. This week on Chewing the Gristle, we have the majestic Andy McKee, acoustic guitar player of extraordinary abilities. A joy to watch, listen, and hear, and see the whole nine yards. Ladies and gentlemen, from Topeka, Kansas, we've got Andy McKee. Can you dig it? Ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are gathered here to chew the gristle. Gregory Cockery here with the mighty Andy McKee, acoustic guitar potentate, tickler, (laughs) tickler of the get box extraordinaire. We've not actually had a chance to to talk other than on the inner Google. So how the heck are you, big fella? Nice to oh, see you. Oh, man, I'm doing well. Jeez, man. Like, uh, yeah, it's really, I'm, I'm so glad to be here. You know, I've been such a fan of yours for uh, for a while now on the social media and all that, but I don't think we've ever been in the same building or maybe even the same state yet. So uh, nice to uh, be here with you. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you know, it is, uh, it's been kind of a bizarre thing because, you know, you start forming these these posses, if you will, online of of friends that like to enjoy each other's videos and comment here and there and on the various different uh, posts, whether they be musical or food oriented or whatever the case may be. But uh, <laughs> and, and that really seems to have been amped up during the cove because we were all kind of home homebound. But I see you're out and about doing some stuff again. How's it been going? Oh man, really good. Uh, yeah, you know, I guess uh, when when everything shut down, I guess it was back uh, February of last year, or towards the end of February anyway. And I I had just played uh, a couple of shows in Tokyo, and then came home, and then everything was has been locked down, you know, and and haven't had a chance to do much of you know any playing at all, of course, other than the live stream stuff like we try to do. But yeah, uh, but yeah, man, it, it, it was awesome. I've, I've been going out. Uh, I'm pretty good friends with Tommy Emanuel, and we have the same management team and stuff. And so we've been going out and uh, doing some shows, you know, and just to get back on stage in front of people. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. What the? Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's got to be a pretty gravity-defying double bill, you two. Engaging oh, yeah, in. everybody's floating around. There's zero gravity, I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's, it's a hell of a show, you know. We, of course, we're both, you know, fingerstyle guitar, but we're kind of from other worlds in a way, you know. He, right. he uh, comes from a more t- sort of traditional uh, approach, and then I, I got inspired by some of the guys that uh, uh, came later on, you know, when we're trying wacky things with different tunings. Of course, Michael Hedges and a bunch of guys along those lines. So it's, yes. it's, it makes for a cool night, yeah, because we're, we're kind of different, but we do the fingerstyle thing. You know, I, I I found it interesting that, um, you know, uh, Pr- Preston Reed was a guy that, you know, we knew around here. I'm from, you know, Milwaukee here. And uh, I think he lived here for a minute. Did he not? I think at yeah. some point. Yeah. I, I remember a buddy of mine in high school had a record of his and I remember listening to it. And then I remember hearing that he was in town. And then we did a gig up, you know, in my college town of Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And there was a gal that was kind of the in charge of booking the, the different 
groups that would play at, uh, listen to me, the groups, uh, <laughs> the different artists at the school, and one of which was Preston. He came out to our gig, and I remember going up to him going, man, this is so weird, and so on and so forth. But I always thought he was magnificent, and then uh, and then when I was reading your bio, I was talking about how he was a big influence on you, and I thought that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, man. So, <clears throat> I, you know, I started on the electric guitar and, and was way into that. Um, and, and the reason I wanted to even start playing guitar was because Eric Johnson, I heard, uh, Clissa Dover on the radio. I was 12 years old and, uh, I was, I, I, I'd actually been into instrumental music, but not necessarily instrumental guitar, um, since kind of a young age. I don't know why, but I could just connect with like movie themes and things. You know, I, I used to buy soundtracks and, and as well as like Iron Maiden and other stuff like that. But, um, anyway, I had always been able to connect with instrumental music, but when I heard, Eric, you know, and, and Cliss of Dover, I was like blown away, you know, I didn't, uh, a lot of the music I was into at that time was like rock, you know, so it was kind of guitar centric or whatever, but, um, but I just never heard a whole tune where it was just the guitar, you know, like in the place of vocals and there's this beautiful melody and all that. And I was like, man, I got to get that cassette, you know? And then after that, I asked my dad if I could get a guitar. And so he, you know, got me a, a used sort of classical guitar. Um, and I started playing on that, trying to learn tunes that I liked, like, you know, some Led Zeppelin things or Metallica tunes that were finger picked. There was a couple of tunes at that time, like Nothing Else Matters and uh, uh, Unforgiven that had finger picked guitar from Metallica. So I was trying to learn that stuff, you know, it was like the right kind of guitar for that. But uh, eventually got an electric and was focused on that, you know, for quite a few years. And then I saw Preston Reed, you know, doing uh, a guitar workshop for, for Washburn Guitars. He came to Topeka, Kansas, where I'm from and where I live still. And uh, I, that was like just a, a mind blowing experience, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, did you say you saw him when? Like, you saw him, like, when was that, maybe? This would have been the 80s. This would have been okay. like 80, 86, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I guess it was 1994 or five when I saw him. And he'd sort of pioneered this new way of playing. You know, he, I think, you know, back in when you saw him, he would have been more kind of along the lines of Leo Kotke. And right, exactly, kind of, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I saw him, he was playing over the top of the guitar neck and hitting the guitar body and different guitar tunings. And I was just never seeing anything like it. You know, it was just, I got to figure out what that was, you know, and tried to go home and copy it on a standard tune guitar because I didn't even know what altered tunings were. And it just wasn't happening. But uh, eventually got a video cassette, learned some tunes from him. And then I... I discovered other players, you know, Michael Hedges and Don Ross and, and uh, just fell in love with the, the sort of idea of using different tunings and, and using your fingers. To, you know, there's just so many ways to attack the strings. And I just loved the, the t different textures. And it just seemed like a whole other world from what I'd been used to on electric guitar. So became my fascination for sure. <laughs> well, I love what you do. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's an interesting thing because it's. It, I mean, there's such a great deal of technique involved, but the technique is not really, uh, it's not technique for technique's sake. The music's beautiful, and the techniques are used to flush out the music. It's a very soulful thing. Even even the, uh, you know, the percussive thing on the guitar, you know, on acoustic, when people do that, it's sometimes I actually find myself laughing at it because it looks so ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. but when you're doing, it's like, Oh no, that's that that's a that's completely appropriate. You know, it, it, it's it's got a purpose for it, and it's uh, it's just so tastefully done. And and you know, it is astounding I me mean, the the amount of uh, views you've had on your videos. I just think 
well, not it's not astounding because it's 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 spellbinding what you do and the music is fantastic. But describe how that when that first started happening, how did that grab you? When all of a sudden it's like, wow, one minute I'm playing, you know, these tunes and I mean, they, I mean, the, the, and the production's great. It sounds great. Obviously, your playing is magnificent. The tunes are great, but just your demeanor as you're playing, there's no like pretension. There's no like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just got a. Uh, just such a cool vibe, if I may be so bold. So describe how that whole <laughs> that whole thing flushed out for you, and 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 how that kind of led to other things, as it were. Sure. Well, so um, I, you know, I discovered like these these guys that became my heroes and big influences, and I started to write some of my own tunes even in my late teens. Um, and so you know, solo fingerstyle guitar things, and <laughs> I, I was teaching guitar lessons as well at that time, and. Uh, just started a local, local guitar, guitar store. Um, but I had a student that told me about this international fingerstyle guitar contest. And it's actually held just a few hours from where I live in Winfield, Kansas. It's this really big bluegrass festival and they have, uh, have these uh, international contests for fiddle and banjo and flat pick guitar, finger picking guitar, all that. So uh, I was like, well, that's, that'd be silly not to try at least it's just down the road kind of. So I, I, uh, I got third place there in 2001, and uh, that was pretty cool, you know, and it, and uh, started to get on MySpace and things like that. And oh, yes, MySpace. <laughs> I remember it well. Way back, yeah. And, you know, so you could put, like, your music on there. So I was actually putting my own music on there, you know. And it was crazy because some guy in Taiwan discovered me, and he, like, learned one of my songs and he was playing it in cafes and stuff. And this other guy heard him play. And he was like, that sounds like American fingerstyle guitar. He asked about it. And the guy told him about me. And this individual over there turned out to be like a guy who uh, had music stores and was inviting guests to tour in Taiwan. So like in 2003 or four, I went to Taiwan for the first time and, um, you know, got to play with some other guitar players from other countries, Japan and Belgium and stuff, and just started to make these connections. And uh, But I was still just teaching guitar. And I heard about the Canadian Guitar Festival, and so I went up there and tried that, and I got second place. Um, never did win no checkered flag, but I never did come in last. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, this, this guy was up there, and he'd heard me play, and he was starting this new label actually in Wisconsin, uh, this label called Candy Rat Records is what it's called. And he uh, it, it was just something he wanted to do. He was a big fan of fingerstyle guitar and all the labels that used to kind of cater to that was, were going away. Like one of the last ones was Narada. Right, um, which was a Milwaukee thing. That's right. Yeah. So so they were gone and it was just there was a bunch of guys kind of looking for a home. And he, this guy was a fan of it all. And he's like, I'm going to start a label. So he asked me to be on it. And so I was on there with like Don Ross and a few other players that were just kind of getting going and anyway uh the guy decided to shoot some videos for his new website youtube it was an idea to try and get the label recognition and get these players you know out there a bit to to uh be seen and really youtube was new at the time it wasn't you know, anything like it is now but um i was like okay sure so we shot those videos and it was just in, the, in his den in uh milwaukee and uh had a little room divider behind me there and that was it. You know, it was just really simple. And and so, you know, there was zero expectations at all about, <clears throat> I don't even think a viral video was a term, you know, at the time. Right, 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 right. 
<laughs> so, uh, you know, it was crazy. It was just amazing when it started to go viral, you know, and my one tune in particular drifting, you know, I'm, right. it's definitely, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of the style of Preston Reed in a way, because playing over the top of the neck and the tapping and stuff. And so it's a very kind of visually, uh, exciting sort of right. thing if you've never seen it, you know, so I, you know, that was certainly a component of it, but, uh, um, I was just happy to see that it wasn't just a one hit, like all the other ones started like Riley yeah. and my father, they all just kind of, you know, started to go viral. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I got a manager shortly after that and started getting all these chances to go play. And I've just been doing that ever since kind of, you know, it's awesome. <laughs> and, but uh, yeah, it's, it's like a dream come true, man. It's, it's been, you know, and just the way fact, uh, fans like interact, you know, and, and send me messages about, what the music means to them, you know, it's just like a really is a dream come true. But, uh, um, but yeah, you know, there's, there's been a lot of crazy opportunities along the way and getting to play with my heroes, the guys that inspired me, like Don and Preston. And, uh, I got to tour with Prince actually at one oh, point. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that was That's nuts. Insane. Yeah, completely, man. It's just, he, I guess he dug the, what I was up to, but you know, like we did a little tour and then it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I, I just, kind of felt like I wanted to do what I do, you know, and it didn't quite mesh, I guess, you know, and I, I, I told him, Hey, if you ever want to do like a solo album or like an album with uh, acoustic guitar and, and some of your other tunes that you like want to rearrange or something as solo guitar, let me know. And, and, uh, we didn't get to do that, but, uh, anyway, it was certainly a pleasure and honor to do that. And yeah, it's been a crazy life, man. <laughs> I can dig it. So when you're when, like a tune, like drifting, I mean, when you're playing that live, uh, do you leave a lot of room for interpretation in the moment or are, or is it like, well, these parts are always the same and how I get into and out of them may differ or do, are you pretty regimented with how you like to do them? Yeah, I'm pretty regimented, I guess. You know, I, I, I do. The only thing that'll change in a live setting is like dynamics and maybe I'll push or pull things a little bit, but I won't go someplace totally wild. Mostly because honestly, I can't in these different tunings. I don't ever really take the time to, learn you know where everything is i got you yeah 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 i kind of i get i get into the different tunings and and uh come up with new ones and and just kind of see what kind of chord voicings i can come up with and i got things like that yeah yeah i've always felt a bit like i'm less of a guitar player and more of like a a composer or a writer uh because gosh i can't when i see like you or other guys that just improvise like oh man it's that's like my weak suit by far i just I mean, I sound like a, a young kid who just learned the pentatonic scale at Guitar Center or something, you know? I, I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be that bad, but it's, you know, it's it's not where I want it to be. So I don't think it's really my my strong suit. So I just try to, uh, you know, when I, when I come up with tunes and I just try to present them, you know, as accurately and faithfully, but still have, I guess, the expression of it I kind of play with when I do it live. And and when you're using all these different tunings, how many guitars are you bringing to a gig, or, or do you just go from tuning to tuning on on that guitar and describe the challenges as far yeah. as that is concerned? Because so many of the different things you're doing, I mean, you're way up the neck. You're doing a voicing down here. You're hitting harmonics. You're going down here. You got a capo here, but you could fret behind it. I mean, obviously, if the intonation's funky, it's going to be a long tune yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right man yeah so um i used to play like in in coffee shops and bars here in town you know every week and and just trying to get comfortable with tuning the guitar you know i 
when I'm on the road, I still only take my standard guitar and then I have a baritone, which, which, uh, is this here. And then I've also got the harp guitar, you know? Um, so that's it. I, I, and then I just try to tune, you know, in between the songs and just getting comfortable trying to hear those, the frequency, you know, that little wobble and try to get that to go away and, right. and still try to talk a bit while you're doing that. It's, it's, I guess that's part of the show as well, almost, you know, just trying to get that all down. But, uh, yeah, you could definitely work that into the routine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the, uh, you know, the guitars I, I play too, I have the fan fret kind of thing on the neck. Okay. So that kind of helps with the intonation issues that, that sometimes would happen on the other guitars. Oh, interesting. And and when did you first discover that scenario as being a an aid to your activities? Yeah, so I used to, I did a bunch of shows with Don Ross about 2007 and eight or so. We had an album come out together. And um, when we were going on the road, we wouldn't want to take so many guitars that the van was like falling apart, you know. So uh, we'd both take uh, our standard pitch guitars and I'd have the harp guitar. And then he'd bring his baritone guitar. And so I would just play his baritone if I wanted to play baritone. And um, his his baritone had a fan fret guitar neck on it. So that was when I first started to play it. And it's funny because you almost don't notice it as your hand goes up and down the neck because you kind of do that anyway a little bit um, with your wrist as a sort of a focal point there and you, you angle that way. So you don't really notice the, the fan fret too much. But if you do like an F bar chord or something, that feels pretty weird. Right, 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 right. And how about the other, just like the gear scenario of how, because, you know, getting a great acoustic sound live is is a battle and and uh, and everyone kind of deals with it different ways. You know, I, I, I came up around here with my buddy Willie Porter and he always had oh, like yeah. the, the most glorious acoustic sound. And but, you know, he, he his sound checks would take forever, but he was so great about knowing, well, listen, give me this and this and this. And, you know, he, he, he knew all the <laughs> all, all the engineers speak in order to dial in his guitar sound. But, man, by the time he was done, it just sounded majestic. So talk a little bit about your journey with, with that in terms of, you know, being able to know that when no matter what scenario you're going to go in and it's going to sound like you. Yeah, well, my main sort of thing with that is like keeping it simple. And that's, that's almost my life philosophy anyway, really. So I, I don't have a lot of gear on stage at all. I, I take uh, my guitars and then I, my preamp is a uh, DTAR Solstice, which was uh, de- designed by Seymour, Seymour Duncan and uh, Rick Turner. And uh, they stopped making those a while ago, but I've been using it forever now. And I just, I tried other things and I just keep coming back to it. And it's just a real natural warm sound and I've got, you know, volume and a little bit of EQ on it and that's all. And then, um, I used to just take even reverb from the house. So it was, it was just that little preamp in my guitars. Um, but now I take a, a reverb pedal with me too. And, um, oh gosh, it's so new. I don't even remember the name of it. It's like Polaris or something like that, I think. Okay. Um, so, so no amp, you just use the house, the monitors and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it just keeps it really easy. And, you know, I, I usually travel with a suitcase and three guitars, so that's usually enough for me to, to deal with at the airport. <laughs> Bless you. That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, how yeah, gratifying is it just of one guy going out with all the stuff and you, you have to deal with band or any of that kind of stuff? How liberating is that? Oh, yeah, man. I, I mean, I played in bands in high school, and, you know, we would do stuff like play at the talent show and whatever. But uh, when I got... Um, you know, into the acoustic, it, it just felt like, um, I, just for one, again, I just loved the, 
the the music and the, everything you could do with the solo, you know, just one acoustic guitar. Um, and it just felt like a real direct and personal sort of music that I really was drawn to that too, you know? So, um, so yeah, I guess I've been lucky that I, I haven't had to deal with like other people's plans or egos or anything, you know, it's just kind of <laughs> go. Right, I, sh- I, I should probably clarify. Not that I don't love my band guys. You know, I'm, just, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, but just to your point of, you know, just having to make sure, well, you know, we're out on the road here. We got to make sure we're making X amount of dough. We got to worry about yeah. flights for three people. You know, somebody, somebody allergic to the, I'm sorry, I'm trying to turn this doggone phone off. You know, sometimes <laughs> no I can't, I can't get this doggone thing to stay on the silent mode. But what are you going to do? I'm a little lame with technology, but be that as it may. Uh, so, yeah, just that, that's just what I mean by that. But I suppose there's ups and downs of that because it is, it is fun traveling in a in a in a posse if you all get along great and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but there is also the nice thing about being by yourself and just being able to go where you want to go, when you want to go there, where you want to eat. You know, you're you're kind of you know you're you're an island unto yourself if if you choose to be, which is sometimes a good thing. Yeah, well, I, I do have a, a tour manager usually out with me, and he's a, okay. just a, a good buddy. So I'm not. <clears throat> but there were there were quite a few years where I was out there on my own, and it was kind of like, geez, this is a little a little too depressing. It's like, okay, I need I need somebody to talk to. Good night. <laughs> 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 Hired one of my really best friends, you know. So he, he's he comes out with me, and uh, he's he's awesome. So. Um, I wanted to mention too, though, but uh, I, I, I kind of forgot when we were talking about gear and stuff. The pickups yeah, yeah. In, in my guitar—that's um, the one I think that really, really is the big component. Because you know, I've I've tried several things um, in the past, and, and it was just always hard to get like a nice acoustic guitar sound without just putting a mic right in front of it. You know, right. um, so I I, I heard uh, Tony McManus, uh, great yeah. Celtic, you know, yeah. kind of. I know Tony. Yeah, yeah, he's he's amazing. Um, him and then also Don Ross, they were both using the K and K pure mini system. And so um, that's what I have in here. And it's just these kind of contact pickups uh, that are attached to the soundboard. And it's, you know, as close to a natural acoustic guitar sound, I think you can get, you know, I wouldn't mind playing with a mic in front of you, but I move some, you know, and when you just start moving a bit, even in a live situation, it just changes the sound and all that. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind that's of the, Sounds glorious. Yeah, the sound of the baritone there with that. <laughs> yeah. Now, do, so. you, you do, do you do different tunings with the baritone as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to I like to do that. I've, I've written quite a few with the standard tuning uh, as well, where it's you know the just like standard but a, a fourth lower, just right. because uh, it still has that different sound, but you can still use all the chord shapes and things that you're used to. Right. But. Uh, you know, yeah, sometimes it's all tuned down, even on here. That's the old never going back again. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's, you know, the low string is now down to G. So it's uh, quite low. Sounds glorious. <laughs> So with, with your material, I mean, how, you know, it's especially as, as you're saying, if it's a lot of it is composed pieces in these different tunings, how often do you have to um, tweak the repertoire in terms of his, you know, because obviously a lot of these things get to be muscle memory. I know with certain tunes of mine, it's like I'll be like, you know, all of a sudden you're in the middle of it and you have a mind blank and it's like you have to start over. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so when you're preparing for, I mean, uh, how often do you have to, you know, be revisiting these tunes to make sure they're in battle condition, as I'd like to say? <laughs> well, yeah. So, like, uh, I guess if, if there's like somebody had requested a tune online or something like that, you know, uh, and I, it's something I hadn't played in a while, I would definitely go over it a few times before I went on stage uh, and iron out anything that's fuzzy. But um, yeah, I. I'm able to keep most of my tunes in my head. Okay. Fortunately, but, um, but sometimes there's an odd one. Somebody wants to hear, I'll have to brush up on it. Um, yeah, but they're all mostly there, you know, and just kind of play through them and, and try to present them in a interesting way each night. But I can dig a, lot, it. a lot of times, you know, my, uh, uh, set list is kind of organized by the tuning. So I don't oh, have to sure, do sure, sure. Yeah, too yeah, much yeah. wild stuff, but, uh, um, so yeah, a lot a lot of tunes will be in in the set list because well some of them are like fan favorites but some of them work well with the tuning changes and then you know but I'll leave space for like two or three kind of oddball things in, every night. Cool. And and how long is an a- average show if it's a if you're the uh, feature performer of the evening how long is a is a Andy McKee show? Yeah, usually about ninety minutes um, and might do an intermission or something in there but just depends on on the venue. Yeah. 90 yeah. minutes to scald minds. <laughs> so tell us about living in Topeka, Kansas. Tell us about, you know, growing up there and why you chose to keep living there and all that kind of stuff. Because people, you know, I mean, I, I live in Milwaukee and people are like, well, why do you live in Milwaukee? It's like, well, I'm from here. I always wanted to do my own thing. And, you know, th- there it is. So uh, <laughs> it's a good, 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 place, good place to raise the kids, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but tell us about your... Uh, your modus operandi in Topeka. Sure. Well, yeah. So I was born and raised here in 1979. I was born here and, uh, you know, grew up here until I was about 10. Then we moved to New Mexico for a little while. And then ah. after a few years came back, but yeah, my mom worked for the Santa Fe railroad company. So we got moved around a little bit. Um, but came back and, you know, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's fine here, you know, but I'm, I'm the big thing, I guess, is that I'm really close with my family my mom and right. um, my brother and my sister were all really tight. So um, we all pretty much still live here. My sister's in Kansas city, but um, yeah, it's, it's cool. You know, and my wife's from here, her family's down the road. So like when I'm on out touring and stuff, they can come over and help. With, you know, I got two boys with my wife now. So uh, yeah, so they can help out with whatever. And, yeah, it's it's you know it's got its up pluses and minuses. It's not the not the most happening place or anything like that. But uh, uh, but like I said, it's like you know got good friends here and my family, which I adore. We we hang out every week pretty much, so uh, that's why I stick around. But it's easy enough to go to the airport and go play a show anywhere. That's that it is. That it is. So when you were, you know, like like us all homebound during COVID nineteen, um, tell us about. What was, you know, did you start doing live streams right away? Did you, you know, what was it like for you in terms, was it, was it a nice respite at some point for you? Because everyone has different perspectives on it. You know what I mean? I mean, for me, it was one of those things where, and I've mentioned it on these chats many times of it's just, it's made me reevaluate, you know, just exactly when and where and how I'm going to go out from here on in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, just in ter- I mean, I went into the airport for the first time ever. I was like, I don't miss this. I don't miss this place. 
know, and I, which is weird because when I, when I was in it, you know, prior to that, you know, 125, 150 days out of the year for, you know, 20 years, I'm, you know, traveling, you know, it's not the 300 and some odd days that a lot of musicians do, but you know, it's a fair amount of time away. And, um, and when you're caught up in it, it's like, I used to go into an airport and it would be like, I'd almost have like exhale, like now I'm in my element. I know where I'm at. I know what it's all about. But then first time after COVID, I went in and I sniffed it. I was like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. So so what was it, what was it like for you? Hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Like, yeah, it, you're, it's exact same. Yeah, I mean, you're so used to it back in the day. It was like routine pretty much. And um, yeah, gosh, I, I, you know, I really enjoyed being home, to be honest, uh, over the last year and a half or almost two. Um, and, you know, my, my wife and I got married shortly after my career took off. We'd been together for quite a while before that, but um, we had a little, we actually had a little spot where we weren't on the road and we went and got married <laughs> real quick. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, so that's kind of been our reality though, is, is I'm gone quite a bit, you know? And, um, so it was nice to, to really be home and, and be with her and my two boys. And yeah, they, they had, uh, last year off from school, or not off from school, but they, uh, did the, yeah. the homeschooling type thing. Right. And, that was nice, you know, just to be able to spend every day kind of with them. And, and so that was one of the real um, pluses, you know, of, of the last couple of years. Um, but I certainly missed, you know, being out there and, and doing the shows, too. I mean, that was it's it's a lot of fun and 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 such a pleasure to do that and meet the fans and just, you know, get to be myself on stage, you know, and, and sure. with the guitar, you know, just that whole thing. Um and so you, you get all that, you know, and it's kind of like a, a, it gives your life purpose, of course. And you feel like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it is, you know, and when it's kind of taken away. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel it for a while, but I think, you know, more this year, I started to be like, man, I just, I've been down a little bit, a little bit depressed, you know, because of all that, but with things picking back up, it's, it just felt so good, you know, to get back on stage and be able to play for people and express myself and do the guitar thing. And, um, you know, it's, I'm glad it's coming back around and I'm glad people are serious about getting vaccines and all that. You know, I had my yeah, booster yeah. shot last, uh, at the end of last week. And oh, you did, knocked, you got, you got the booster already. Booster already. Yeah. And, and, uh, it kind of knocked me out for the weekend. I was really tired, but I'm back now and all good. And we're getting our kids tomorrow. And, you know, I just hope, you know, we can get back to, to doing this thing, you know, that we all love, of, you know, playing music and going and listening to music and right. all being safe about it, you know, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I need to look into getting my booster. I had a Johnson and Johnson, but that was that was in March. So I'm, oh, uh, I'm, I'm probably due for a for a jab <laughs> for a little bit more of that juice. Oh man! So Tasty. I can do so I can do battle with the Cove, the COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a, we had uh, we had a European tour that was booked for right now, as a matter of fact, and in late August I made the call to because it was just too much, too much up in the air. You know what I mean? It's like neither uh, you know myself nor my son nor Toby, the organ uh, guy, the organ guy, the organ uh, guy. N- none of us have had the cove. We were all vaccinated, but you know he's got young kids and. 
And uh, we're like, you know, what happens if we get over there and one of it gets sick and then one of us has got to stay in a hotel for 12 days? You know, you just don't know. So now, granted, we could have gone there and everything would have been fine. But, you know, what what if it wasn't? So I, I made the choice to cancel. So really, you know, we've got like two gigs before the end of the year. But, you know, I've got all this online stuff and, you know, and even the, um, you know, I do the four on, you know, four streams a week for various different folks. And and then we'll do the band stuff usually every other weekend or whatever the case may be in one way, shape or form. And um, so, yeah, it just uh, it's an interesting thing. September was great. I mean, September was like, hey, we're playing out again. Festivals, people, money. Hooray. And then it just, you know, it just seemed to go. Yeah. So, you know, to your point, I think, you know, if hopefully 2022, the, you know, the madness will subside. But, you know, truth be told, I mean, we'll probably we'll probably be riding this roller coaster for a while in one way, shape or form. But, hey, what are you going to do? They got to keep on keeping on. You got it, my man. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, one thing that, we're, you know, of course, I've always known this anyway, but um, it's like, you know, I love obviously playing in front of people and the, the energy you get from a crowd, all that kind of stuff. But the, at the, uh, even though I hate this expression, at the end of the day, I just like playing. You know what I mean? It's like even, I just like get up in the morning, make a little Joe, start playing a little bit. Like, well, oh, hey, hey, hey that, that, that's at the beginning of the day. Yes. and then it just kind of goes throughout the day you know it's a you know other things will have to be done but it's like man you know it's uh if i could just pay to to just kind of sit in the corner and play i mean i i wouldn't be against it (laughs) go into your corner and play Here's your kibbles and bits twice a day. Okay. <laughs> I'd be all about it. Oh, what are you going to do? I, 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 I've had it. I have enjoyed being home and uh, taking full advantage of the of the vast majority of restaurants in my area. I was out. I, I told you today I, I kind of screwed up on our time because I forgot I agreed to go to lunch today at this uh, delicious Asian establishment that uh, that was dump, dumpling oriented. And oh, I got to yeah. tell you, it was... It was an epic, epic feast. Man. You know, you got to eat. That's the problem is that food, you know, someone was telling me, like, during COVID, it's like, you know, I gained the equivalent of, like, a Backstreet Boy, and then I lost it. You know what I mean? And now I'm gaining a little bit again, but I still walk, and I do everything I got to do. And, you know, I was joking the other day. I was talking with somebody, and, and I was like, you know, we all know how to lose weight. You know, you don't eat. You drink a lot of water and you exercise, and all three of those things suck. <laughs> lame, totally lame. <laughs> but uh, hey, what are you gonna do? So yeah, I know. So the, the the feasting, of course, feasting on the road is is another glorious thing. But as soon as you like, as soon as you mentioned Kansas City, immediately I'm thinking barbecue. It's like every time someone mentions a place, I'm thinking food. What kind of food they got there? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, barbecue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. That is one of the the highlights of traveling too. I mean, yeah, you go to, you get to go to these new places. What what what's the cuisine like? Oh man, absolutely. So, so you're stuff. so you're adventurous in that regard because not everybody is. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Actually, that you know, I think I mentioned earlier one of the first places I went was Taiwan. I actually tried snake there. Delicious. Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> It was weird. It was like a little bowl of soup with like a 
a chunk of snake in it with the rib cage and everything. And uh, yeah, it was, I wouldn't recommend it. So pass on the snake soup. Pass on the snake. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was telling the story at lunch today. I, I did. It's been years, but I did. Um, I think it was in 2002 already. But I did a uh, an Asian swing. We started in. We flew to Japan, but our first thing was like in Taiwan, and then we went over to Malaysia, and then we went to Thailand, and then we went to uh, Indonesia, and then we went to Singapore. It was it was crazy. But the first thing was in um, Taiwan. 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 Depending on how you want, depending on how you want to emphasize Taiwan. Anyway, so I got there and and you know we did our thing and afterwards we were like walking through the market where they show all the the food in front that when it's alive and then you go in the oh, back yeah. and sit down and they slay the beasts and they, yeah. but, but I remember sitting down and uh, I was traveling with this guy from Japan and everyone we were dealing with I mean I was the only you know big dumb white guy along for the for the excursion. And uh, so I was the only one that wasn't conversant in chopsticks, and it became very clear that either I got up to up to speed or I was going to starve. So I became uh, quite adept at the chopsticks chopsticks experience pretty damn quick. And as a matter of fact, by the end of the tour, <laughs> Ken Oda, the guy from Japan that I was traveling with, kept on referring to me as Miyagi-san. So I got that going for me. So I was able <laughs> to achieve a certain amount of acumen with the, uh, the chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, I had almost the exact same experience, man. I didn't know how to use chopsticks at all when I went over there, and it was Taiwan. And, yeah, I had this you know, sink or swim with that and finally started to get the, the feeling a bit. And, yeah, I went through one of those night markets where they had, like, the, yes. the snake or whatever, just, uh, like, re- like alive there, turtle, whatever. Yeah, that's, that's funny, man. Now, did they take you up into the hills at all? Remember we went up? We went up kind of in the hills above Taipei where they had all like these little funky lunch places where they make this yep. chicken soup. Did you do that? Oh, chicken soup. I don't know if I had that, but like I remember going see yeah, that. Yeah, went up on the thing and then they were like, make the, the soup like right at your table. But oh, as you were waiting there, all of a sudden like these bees would come over and they were those big ass like, oh, Asian horn. And I'd be like looking at these things going, is anyone else seeing this? And they were like, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This thing's like a stratofortress with a stinger, and you guys aren't freaking. I was like totally losing it, but I just kind of said, like, well, if they're not freaking, I guess I won't. But I remember <laughs> the food in Taiwan being being pretty epic. Actually, the food on that whole trip was was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's some good stuff over there, man. But it's interesting I- what, I was, what I was saying earlier on. is like a, a lot of people – you know, they, they get, you know, Americans traveling and, and, the, and they're a pain in the ass because they don't want to try anything or they'll be like, I want to get a hamburger or whatever yeah. the case may be. <laughs> yeah. I'm always just, you know, very receptive to whatever whatever is on uh, the, the menu, as it were. It's like, show me what the indigenous food is as long as it's not insects and I'm in. Yeah, like like an Asian hornet. That's, that's your dinner there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, it could have been. It was massive. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, yeah, it, man. It, it was frightening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was the name of the, the fellow that you did this? So you shot those videos in Milwaukee, those 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 ones for the uh, the initial record company. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who runs that, you're wondering his name. Yeah. Or, yeah his name was Rob Poland. Um, and he he didn't have really anything to do with anything as far as music goes and, and uh, was just a big fan of of Don Ross in particular. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And started that whole thing up and, and, uh, yeah, it's still around, still doing, doing stuff. So he's a Milwaukeean. Unbelievable. 
Mm-hmm. You never know what's lurking behind the cheddar curtain, Andy. That's the thing. <laughs> you never know cheddar. what's happening. Man, it's a mystery. <laughs> so what do you got on the docket in the near future here? What do you what's what's the next thing? Right on. So yeah, man, what's what is the next thing? Um I've been working on a few different I like ideas, you know. i of course everyone knows me as a finger style guitar player, but I still like to play the electric sometimes. And I've I, you know, just over the last five years or so, I've really uh and I think this is I'm not alone in this. People my age seem to be uh, rekindling their love for their childhood and their that like the 80s is kind of big again in a way you know so I've I've really been enjoying uh, playing with synthesizers and getting some of those sounds kind of from the 80s and um, and I mean I've always loved 80s music I've, I've done you know arrangements of Tears for Fears and Toto stuff you yeah, know yes. on, the, on the acoustic in the past so uh, but I'm kind of writing tunes that are sound like they could be on the the Fletch soundtrack or something like that. Or, you know, <laughs> Nugent, Nugent, Ted <laughs> Nugent. <laughs> One of my favorite movies growing up, you know. God, um, that was a fantastic movie. You know, it was interesting because I loved that. I thought that movie was so funny when I was a kid, and I probably saw it a thousand times. And then one day, I said to my when my boys got older, I'm like. We gotta watch this movie. You're gonna, th- and they were looking at me, you know, because the, sometimes the humor generationally does not transfer. <laughs> and, and Fletch was one of them. They're looking at me, going, "No, we need, we need to stop this." But uh, <laughs> luckily, we still we still meet at uh, at Step Brothers. They're always about Step. Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So you know, I've, I've kind of been bouncing around from solo guitar stuff and this kind of '80s sounding stuff, and. Uh, uh, I've got another thing where it's just really chilled out sort of synth stuff you might hear at the spa while you're getting a back massage. Yes. Kind of, you know, um, so, you know, it was kind of like, well, what am I going to do with all this? This is all bit maybe too all over the place for an album. Um, so I'm, I've decided that I was going to make just a few different sort of EP length type things that are uh, along these different lines. And uh, another one was that I wanted to do sort of a covers thing and that actually just came out oh, a few weeks ago now um and it's called symbol and there's you know some uh it's, it's tunes from like guys that inspired me as well as uh video actually video game music and and movie music and stuff uh so there's a you know there's a tune from michael hedges on there and uh another guy billy mclaughlin from minneapolis oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah you know, another big influence for me and preston reed and um and then i actually um I, I, I did a, a tune from the Rocky Four soundtrack. Rocky yeah. Four. That's right. Now, which <laughs> one was that, pray tell? That was uh, that was the one with Ivan Drago, who was the oh, Russian. Oh, it was. Yes. yes. The epic, you know, and James uh, Brown was in that one. That's right, man. He was living in America. He was yep. indeed. Yeah. So, uh, Man, I, I that's going back, you know, I, I earlier I said I'd been into instrumental music. Well, one of the first albums I bought was the soundtrack to Rocky Four, believe it or not, with Coming to America on it and uh, and, and other tunes. But the reason I wanted it was because there was a couple of tunes from the movie that were instrumental, like um, when he was fighting Ivan Drago or when he was training in Siberia, running right. up the snowy mountains and whatnot. Grabbing trees and throwing them around. and That's it, yeah. Fighting so, Cossacks. <laughs> yeah, and bears and stuff. <laughs> he uppercutted this freaking bear. It was amazing. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, 
anyway, I bought that album when I was probably, I don't know, five, six, seven years old and just loved to listen to those tunes in particular, those instrumental ones that I just thought they were so great, you know? And so I decided I wanted to do a medley of those two songs. And I got with the composer, uh, Vince DiCola is his name. And, and uh, so it's, it's he and I doing those tunes and that's on the uh, album as well. And I'm playing electric guitar. So that was fun too. Oh, awesome. We interrupt this regularly scheduled gristle infested conversation to give a special shout out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Koch signature Fluence Gristle Tone pickup set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. Now, are you doing your own label at this point, or do you work with a, a label? Oh, uh, yeah, we, we just did um, uh, another label um, on this new album. Uh, it's called uh, Cruising Street Records. And yeah, they, they kind of, they're kind of into this type of stuff, you know, it's, uh, yeah, kind of niche stuff, I guess you might say, but they've, they've, they've done well. So it's, uh, it's been cool to work with them and get, get the word out and all that and make it available all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Doing the do as the case may be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how about some, uh, touring before the end of the year? Are you, you kind of playing a little cautious at this point or you still got a bunch of stuff coming up? Well, yeah, I've got some actually in December. December's pretty busy. Um, I'm doing a few shows with Tommy again, and then I'm kind of out on my own with uh, with a friend supporting, though, a really great guitarist named Trevor Gordon Hall. Um, I recommend him to to all your listeners and stuff. He's I think he's just amazing and writes really, really beautiful. He, he would have fit right in like on Wyndham Hill back in the day, just okay. kind of really atmospheric, beautiful, but lyrical, you know, not too uh, not too new agey where it's like meandering too much or anything. You know, he's, he's got, got really, real, really well thought out and created tunes um any case uh yeah i'll be doing some some stuff with him we're kind of doing midwest and and i'm not sure if we're getting over to milwaukee though man i don't i should maybe i should look real quick good night yes uh, yeah that would be that would be we could actually meet for for real that's right now take you out for some some dumplings oh my gosh this <laughs> sounds like a plan oh man <laughs> i know some of it's um kind of up let's see like Delaware and whatnot, but uh, Chicago, Indianapolis, Minneapolis. Man, let's see here. Get a, get the old tour. Oh, you're going to be close if you're going Chicago, Minneapolis. Yeah, how close is Chicago to? Chicago's Milwaukee? about uh, 75, 90 miles away, something like that. Oh, man. Okay. Definitely got Chicago. Um, oh, and actually, I'm playing in McKee's Rocks, Pennsylvania. Isn't that funny? Ah, there you go. You can claim ownership. <laughs> yeah. McKee's Rocks. This place is mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, December seventh, Chicago. Um, a day so. of infamy. Yeah, man. So hey, gosh, where you, you, pl- where, you play- where you playing in Shot Town? I think it's that City Winery. Oh, it's okay. Got- yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah. Anyway, they got got those going through about December eighteenth, and then re- uh, rest of the December off till the end of the year. I can dig it. Where, yeah, are the show, I mean, where are the shows you're doing with uh, Mr. Emmanuel? Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's kind of funny. They're mixed in with the, with the other ones. We got Can- actually the last show is in Kansas City, so that's really cool. December 18th, uh, kind of a hometown gig. Yes. Yeah, and then what have we got? December 8th in Indianapolis, December 9th in Cincinnati, 
December 10th in McKee's Rocks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> got December 12th in Terrytown, New York, and December 13th in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, and then December 18th, Kansas City with Tommy Emanuel. Kansas City. So what? what is your favorite barbecue place in Kansas City? Do you have one? Yeah, I think Arthur Bryant's is is my jam. That's the Arthur name. Bryant's. I'm going to write mm-hmm. that down right now, doggone. Arthur Bryant's. Yeah. Because I need to know when it's time. You know, because we, we had, you know, prior to the Cove hitting, we were supposed to get to <clears throat> down in that neck of the woods. Forgot the name of the place again in Kansas City. It's a blues bluesy joint. Is it Knuckleheads? Knuckle, knuckleheads? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. As I like cool. to say, Nicole, Knuckleheads. You know, everything has to be mispronounced, Andy. It's just kind of my thing. <laughs> we were bound for Nicolids and then came Covidnaton. And as a result, we were SOL. But what are you going to do? Isn't that wild how all of a sudden, I remember it so clear. It's like we were in February doing a bunch of stuff, and then we were hearing about this thing happening, you know, and that in Italy it was starting to get bad. And then the first week in last week in February, first week in March, I remember... I got a hold of a buddy of mine in uh, in Italy, and I said, "What's going on over there?" And he's like, "This thing's for real. It's you know, yeah, kind of giving me the lowdown." So I knew it was coming, right? Uh, and yeah. uh, and we did one trip. Uh, I think I did one the first weekend of November of November of March of 2020, and then I came home, and then I had a gig that following week, and it was right before everything shut down. And I remember telling the guy that booked this gig, I'm like, "Dude." We we can't do this, you know. It's, it's, this is this is just not happening, you know. And sure enough, just within like twenty four hours, it was like kapow. Yeah. And then, then we were all at home and doing the do. But you know, luckily, within you know within a couple of weeks, you know, I was just amazed at the uh, at the ability, you know, the people that I was working with, they, you know, to send me stuff to upgrade because I'm a, kind of a technical neophyte when it comes to, you know, recording and, and doing, you know, can't, you know, all that. I, I know what I like. I know how to get the stuff, the sounds I need to do, but I go into studios to record. I don't want to mess with it at home because everyone that I know that does becomes obsessed with it. And they're always like, oh, I can't record the tonight. I got to redo my discombobulator and the new flux capacitor is coming in. Oh, I just got a new operating system. And as a result, these programs don't work. So I got to call. I've been on the line with this guy. I'm like, I don't want to do any of that shit. I want to go in and play and get out. So when we first first started doing the uh, live streams from the house here, it was like, you know, they sent me a separate laptop and this microphone. And so we would just do live streams with using this. And then even when my son was doing the drum stuff, that's what would, would happen. And then, you know, my son's like, I'm going to buy a computer. I mean, I had a lap. My wife's got, you know, the nice computer upstairs. She does all her graphic design stuff on. But <clears throat> he bought a really nice Mac. And uh, and had logic on there. So then we started, he bought a Focusrite, you know, uh, interface and got mics for his drums. And so then we started to up it a little bit. But then our internet was kind of slow. And the next thing you know is, well, I got to get better internet. And we went through this whole dog and pony show to try to get um, fiber optic, but we got it. And then it was like insane what we were able to do. And then next thing you know, we, you know, Tascam was watching our stuff. A buddy of mine worked for Tascam. He sent me a, 
Model 24, and then we had enough inputs to be able to have the whole band, so then we started to do full band shoots, and next thing you know, we got multi-cameras, and I got a little foot switch to go between the cameras and all this kind of stuff, so did you have a similar... <laughs> a similar experience with all of this stuff or did you just like no this is my system that i do for this and we're done how, how, did, how, how did it all work out for you when you started doing the live streams from mckee castle <laughs> oh man i actually I, I kept it super low budget man I, I all i did was i would do like a we were calling it mckee mondays on uh, facebook and maybe instagram i think and i would just get on at you know 8 p.m or something and I just used my phone and an iPad, and that was it. <laughs> Super well, you know, that's, easy. That's what I, all my Instagram videos, all it is is the phone or the iPad, you know? Okay, my, yeah. my, my son's always giving me crap. <laughs> you can't do that. You got to do it on the better system. It's like, yeah, but there's something about that. You know, there's something about turning on a camera or the or you're just on the phone or on the iPad. It's just honest. You get a room sound. It is what it is. It's still, fidelity-wise, so far above most of the... <laughs> You know, old recordings that were done back in the, you know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, and there's a charm to it. You know what I mean? If, yeah, it gets too, yeah. if it gets too produced, then it's, you know, I mean, that's anyway, that's what I think, but it's yeah. just, it, and then of course, keeping everything maintained and making sure this, that, the next thing. So when you keep it simple, man, it's, uh, I, I hear you a thousand percent. Yeah. Well, yeah, it goes like pretty much what you're saying about going into the studio and to record. You don't want to, mess with all this stuff i just i don't want to mess with all that stuff either like ever <laughs> i'm telling you well to me it's actually been a kind of a miracle that i even know what i'm doing but you know yeah. what was what was really helpful to me is that my buddy ryan from fishman he'll uh he'll bop on my computer um you know via team viewer and so he can go on and like do sound for me and switch the cameras around and whatnot or dial it in at least you know, just just the things like the, the time that we would spend, like, yeah, the lighting's a little weird. You look a little, you know, a little, look a little washed out. So let's work on the lighting. Okay, well, now you need to plug this thing into the cameras, and then there would be something on the computer that he would be able to manipulate the, you know, the different things in the camera. Okay, now you got to get that one out, put the other one in there, because that's the one we stream on, and it's just... And so, you know, these are first world problems, Andy. I'm not complaining, but at the same time, it's, it's, just, it's just way more than, you know, hey, let's plug in and play some music. That would be, that would be nice. But by the same token, it's obviously allowed me to be able to, you know, keep, uh, everybody in, in vittles I, during COVID. I've had all, I had all four kids home, but now I'm down to one. I've got my youngest is a senior in high school. And, and now he's the last one at the roost. My, my oldest son who plays drums with me moved out to it with a musician buddy on the other side of town. And, I've got one out in California, one up in Minneapolis. So I went from having everybody here to now having just one. And uh, and I can say that I, I enjoyed both scenarios. I liked having him around, and I also like having, <laughs> having them gone. <laughs> it's the truth. It, it is. It is. What do you no, know? I, I, try, I, try, I try to enjoy it all, Andy. That's my thing. I try to enjoy it all. Absolutely. Always enjoying life is the way to go. But uh, yeah, actually, yeah, my wife just started a job about a month ago. Um, she'd been, you know, stay at home and uh, ever since the kids were born. And and so I've, I've just, you know, the last month when when the kids are in school and she's at work, it's like I got the whole house to myself and I can kind of uh, maybe focus a little bit better on some things, you know, so I can appreciate, you know, being alone. Sometimes you need that for uh, for work or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. So how old are your, your kids now? Uh, 10 and 8 now, yeah. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, just young whippersnappers, as we as we say, young whippersnappers, <laughs> as the case may be. Oh, you know, my grandfather, he'd say knee high to a grasshopper. That was a oh yes, a little colloquialism there in the uh, McKee house. Yeah, knee high to a grasshopper. <laughs> yeah, my grandma used to say weird things, like she used to say, um, "I dasn't do that." Like, Whoa, dasn't. I'm like, wow, that's. I don't think I'm familiar with that word, dasent. And, and, and then another expression, I bet you dollar to donuts. That was another Do- one. Oh, yeah, dollar to donuts. <laughs> <laughs> but dasent, now that's a word. I think that's an original. That's pretty When wild. you can throw in a da- I dasent do that, man, I'll tell you what, you're uh, – you're firing on all cylinders when you when you when you unleash the dacent card. <laughs> it's kind of like dare not, but it's dacent. Yeah, it's kind of a meatloaf of words. <laughs> <laughs> it's got little shreds of other things in it, but all in a crusty new <laughs> biscuit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds troubling, but in any event. <laughs> well, listen, my friend, it's been such a pleasure rapping with you today. Is there anything that you would like to steer our listeners to? Anything that uh, websites and things that, uh, <clears throat> you know, a link to your new record and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, I'd be a fool not to, I guess. So, uh, of course, andymckee.com is my website. And I'm on Facebook under, uh, you know, Andy McKee on there. And The Real McKee is uh, on Twitter and Instagram. That's a little play on The Real McCoy. I don't have a giant ego, I promise. It just sounded fun. <laughs> just, you know, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that, those are my social media places, I guess, and, and the website. Um, much like yourself, I just did another True Fire deal. Yes. Um, so uh, I've got a few courses for them now, and then I've also got a channel, which you can subscribe to if you'd like, and there's about 100 videos on there you know, showing – uh, how to play some of my tunes and different technique things. And you can also take lessons for, from me uh, on a monthly sort of basis on there. Uh, so just look up the joy of playing on True Fire uh, for yeah. the channel. And uh, what else is going on? You know, just working on these other music projects I was talking about. And, uh, oh, I guess another important thing I should mention is my guitar camp. It's called Musicarium. Yes. And yeah, man, we've been doing that for seven years. And uh, we missed, you know, a couple of years ago, but we did it. Uh, this year and it was great and we're doing it again next year we're gonna have some great teachers it hasn't been announced yet so i can't really tell you all that but uh it's it's gonna be in california and it's over four days probably gonna be in july and uh we get into you know creative modern acoustic guitar stuff with a bunch of teachers and we hang out and have good food of course which is awesome you know yes. and then uh, hang out and party and whatnot you know so uh well, that sounds good yeah, Andy McKee's Musicarium. That's M U S I C A R I U M dot com if you'd like more info. Excellent. I was going to ask you as you were mentioning your various different social media portals, uh, how, <laughs> how, uh, how involved are you in, in all of those different things? And the reason why I ask is because obviously there, there's different cultures. Obviously, on these different formats, you know, Twitter is its own little world, and I always just keep things very musical and lighthearted on there. I don't, I don't go deep <laughs> into the discourse. You know, right. I, I avoid it like the plague. So, yeah. how about you? How, how how deep do you like to wade into these various <laughs> waters on these various formats? Oh, not not a whole lot, you know. I mean, uh, uh, I do have a, a manager that sometimes makes posts uh, for me on on Instagram and. Uh, Facebook, but most of the time it's me. Um, 
but you know, I try not to get into, into weight crazy stuff. I mean, right. Uh, not, you know, maybe once in a blue moon, there's something ridiculous that I think I need to reply on. But uh, right. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> but if there's anything crazy, it's usually Twitter. I don't know. Twitter seems like a real uh, uh, fiery place there. It, was, it, uh, it definitely seems it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it's uh, it's all crazy. You know, the whole social media thing. It's, you know, just in the last couple of years again, you know, I've, I've started to revalue just the human interaction you have with people, you know, and. And people that don't think like you, you know, you, you can go on social media and go on some tirade, but it's like you're yelling into the wind. You're not looking somebody in the face, you know, and, and really having a discussion. So, um, you know, it's I've been trying to just kind of not even really go there at all, you know, just limiting my I, social media uh, intake even. So uh, I, un- I understand. You know, what a lot of it is, too, is that, I mean, Music is like one of the last things that really brings everybody together. That's and, right. And there, and there are plenty of people that I see <clears throat> on Instagram or in these other, other different um, social media platforms where I know they're posting things that I personally think are deranged from a, from a political or, you know, social point of view, whatever the case may be. But where we do meet is on the music thing. And they enjoy what I do. So it's it's one of those things where... I think from my particular point of view is that it's best to meet people where you can and to keep things positive as opposed to having to go, you know, wave your finger and say, hey, listen, you know what I mean? Because Lord knows there's plenty of other people that are going to do. <laughs> I mean, you know, of course, that whole thing of, you know, at what point do you stand up for this? That's like. Yeah, yeah. But we're, not, we're, not, we're not there. You know, this, you know, the posting videos online and engaging with music people is not really, you know, perhaps the venue for laying down the gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but for those who it is, all the more power to it. But that's just my, my philosophy anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the only place I'll do that is on my personal page on Facebook. I'll, I try to keep that kind of limited to people that I know. And if I have something that, I feel like I need to talk about. It. I'll put put it there, but uh, yeah, I don't put anything like that on the on the other stuff. You know, I try to keep it cool. Keep it cool, man. That's it. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Fascinating getting to talk with you and hang with you a little bit, and hopefully, one of these days, we'll hang out in Poison. That would be magnifico. That would be cool, man. I'd really dig that, man. And I, I've, I'm, I'm really uh, happy to be here, and I'm, I'm such a fan of your abilities on the guitar and your sense of humor. It's always a pleasure to come across you on uh, the Internet. So I look forward to seeing you in person sometime, man. Likewise, my friend. Take it easy, Andy. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Chewing the Gristle. We certainly do appreciate it. On behalf of Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, and our friends at Fishman Transducers, we say, don't be a stranger now. Keep on coming back. We're going to keep on giving her. <laughs>